This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Center ice, it's Connor McDavid. He's got Darrell Walker, and he's got some room down the sidelines. McDavid to Everly, dishes off. What time? To the 30, 20, 10, 5. Touchdown, Eskimos. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. So two men who helped the Edmonton Oil Kings win the Memorial Cup in 2014 have been traded for each other. Mitch Mraz goes from the Edmonton Oilers to the Arizona Coyotes, and the Oilers pick up Henrik Samuelson. Now, both of these guys were drafted in 2012. Samuelson late in the first round. He went 27th to the Coyotes. Mraz, which was a surprise to a lot of you at the time that he went this high, 32nd overall early in the second round to the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, neither man at the age of 22, and Samuelson turns 23 in a week, neither man has been able to break through to the NHL. Samuelson played three games in the NHL a couple of years ago. They have both uh, had some injury issues. Samuelson with an ankle. Mraz had minor knee surgery about a month ago. He's close to returning to action, and both with a very underwhelming offensive stats so far this season. Samuelson, three points in 20 games for the Tucson Roadrunners. Mraz, three points in 17 games for the Bakersfield Condors. So they will swap organizations. The Oilers get Samuelson, probably more of an upside with this player. I know from talking to some people who have seen him play in the American League over the last couple of seasons, nobody questions his skill, nobody questions his hockey sense, and certainly nobody questions his competitiveness he was known for that um, but his skating is is a drawback here and uh, that's uh, a characteristic that kept them off the American World Junior team when uh, he was trying to make it when he was uh, of the appropriate age so he'll join a Condors team that tries to play fast Will he be able to keep up, and will that perhaps help him that he has to play more of an up-tempo game? So that's the deal that went down today. You can get more on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Thanks for tuning in tonight. It is 6.09. I'm the guy who didn't win the popular vote when it came to hosting this show, but luckily... I took the Electoral College. Reed Wilkins with you. You can always text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. The Oilers back to practice today, getting ready to face Nashville tomorrow. They practiced in Edmonton and then flew. Obviously disappointed with the result last night. They were soundly beaten 5-2 by the Minnesota Wild. Now looking ahead to the Predators head coach, Todd McClellan. Well, we'll have our hands full. Um, you know, that's a common answer from me now because all the teams are, are revving it up. And uh, we want to, re- first of all, we want to recover from uh, a fairly poor outing against Minnesota. 
so that's first and foremost, get our game in order and then worry about what they're doing secondly. Uh, it was a spirited uh, affair here. Both teams played extremely hard and we expect that all over again. So, uh, But we're equipped to play however uh, uh, however, the game presents itself, um, but we've got to we've got to get our game up, back up and running. This uh, this last three game stretch is important for us, and we've lost the momentum we gained um, heading into the All Star break. So it's time to reestablish it. When you talk about recovering from a from a loss, do you see evidence of that today, or do you not truly know until they drop the puck tomorrow? Well, today was a, a positive day for us um, in the fact that the players owned. Uh, their individual mistakes and their individual um, situational play, whether it was lack of effort or, or commitment level or just making uh, errors. So they owned it, and that's a good sign. Um, we set up practice to work on some areas we thought we were weak and also to set us up for uh, an aggressive forecheck and neutral zone forecheck in Nashville. So, um, you know, I think it's a positive. But uh, really until you play the game again and you see individuals react to... Uh, to the loss, uh, we really don't know. Well, I, I, I think I have a pretty good idea how they're going to react, and I, and I do expect them to react well. You're never going to guarantee a victory, but that's one thing we've talked about this season is, is that the Oilers are, are clearly better equipped to bounce back from poor performances, and most of the time they have done it. Even when they lost five in a row in November, I wouldn't say that they were getting whipped game after game. Uh, you know, there were some details that weren't being taken care of, but but it's not like they were being completely outclassed. So uh, going to be interesting against Nashville tomorrow. It was that spirited game against the Predators about a week and a half ago. Certainly Milan Lucic's uh, defining moment as an Oilers so far where he uh, got in a fight, laid a big hit, drew a penalty, got the game-tying goal. Predators wound up taking it in a shootout. So that's the matchup coming up tomorrow. Jeremy from Glendon, good to hear from him, texting into 630-630. He says, hey Reed, the Oilers looked a tad behind yesterday just like I thought they would coming out of some time off uh, after the five-day break coming up. If the Oilers can get some momentum, we could roll into the playoffs with a great record. For a young team, momentum could be the factor that pushes the Oilers deeper into the playoffs than they theoretically should go. Well, yeah, I mean, Minnesota was coming off some time off as well. So, uh, you know, Jeremy, we're going to talk to Kelly Rudy a bit coming up here about the break and the effect that that can have because I think think he'll have some thoughts on it. But, yeah, I mean, it was... wasn't a great game by the Oilers, and I think you have to factor in the quality of the opponent. And that's it. Minnesota has now won 22 of their last 26 games. I mean, the Oilers didn't lose to St. Vincent's School for poorly coordinated boys. They lost to the Minnesota Wild. So I'm not saying you just write off the losses to the good teams because you want to hit that level. Um, but after a stretch where they went 7-0-1 in eight games, lost to the Wild, okay, that'll happen. I think now you maybe look at this uh, week as a whole before you just evaluate that uh, that game by itself. But good points there from uh, from Jeremy for sure. Other NHL news today: the St. Louis Blues have fired Edmonton native head coach Ken Hitchcock, and a tough day for General Manager Doug Armstrong in making the announcement. Ken and I talked uh, a lot during the Christmas break, and we I, I just felt that. You know, you you want to you want to extend every last breath and making it work, and we just haven't played well enough. I'm not sure if I'm going to make a lot of sense right now, but we we don't lose with pride. Like 
ultimately, Ken, Ken is the, he's paying the price for all our failures, starting with mine. I'm the manager. I'm the quote-unquote president of hockey operations. It, it's my team. Mike Yo takes over as head coach. Hitchcock, 781 wins in his career. He's one behind Al Arbor for third all-time. A 644 winning percentage, points percentage, while with the Blues. St. Louis's save percentage this season, last in the NHL, 887. Big reason for their struggles. Uh, they are uh, minus 16 in goal differential, 24-21-5 and five on the season. Eskimos note today, they have re-signed cornerback Marcel Young. And yes, if you listen to this show, a guy I have criticized over the years, well, hope he plays a little better over the next three seasons. He gets an extension through the 2019 season. All right, Kelly Rudy standing by to join us from Hockey Night in Canada, former NHL goaltender. Uh, we'll touch on uh, the uh, NHL Top 100. He got to vote on that, and he'll weigh, on, uh, he'll weigh in on Chris Russell's difficult night as well when we get back. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. Well, no doubt the Oilers struggled as a team last night, and it was a rough run for defenseman Chris Russell. He wound up minus uh, four, was uh, very close to the mistakes, shall we say, on a couple of wild goals, and he uh, stood in there after the game. Yeah, it was embarrassing, especially on my part. You've been a steady defenseman most of the season. Uh, not tonight any reason why what happens. No excuses, that wasn't good enough. Was there anything they were doing? They, they seem to be a fast team at Portchuck's heart. Yeah, they're a good team. I just wasn't ready. Um, got a little battle out skated, so I don't know what else to tell you. Is it one of those nights where you know one thing goes wrong, it's just kind of tough to get back on track? Yeah, but I've been in the league long enough. I should have figured it out. All right. Well, I'm sure Chris Russell will uh, figure it out for tomorrow. I mean, that's the value of a veteran player, and the Oilers have more uh, than they have had in the past that I think they can uh, help everybody get over those rough ones. Last night was a rough one. Pleased to be joined by Kelly Rudy, NHL on Rogers analyst, joins us once a week here on Inside Sports on 630 Shed. Kelly, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Reading yourself? Doing very well. Uh, You ready for the Wild Flames game tonight, man? I think Calgary's going to be in tough. Well, you know, I don't disagree because the the Wild, they're playing extremely well this year. But you never know. I mean, uh, you never know, and you look around the league last night, what you're going to get the first day back after a break like that. You look at all the high scores last night. You look at all the goalies that were pulled. It's just a strange game. And and for a coach, you just hope that your team comes out uh, pretty strong. And and I think more, more so than anything, just, challenge themselves mentally and you know you even look at uh, there are some really good players last night that really struggled on a lot of teams well and I think one of them was was right here with the Edmonton Oilers and that was Chris Russell who got hung with uh with an ugly minus four I I played the the clip of his uh post game last night and uh, he took a lot on himself and uh, I, I know Kelly you were following that last night as well when you hear a player I mean a lot of fans will say well just don't have a bad game and you won't have to <laughs> you won't have yeah. to sit there and answer it but but when you hear that as a former player and now as a broadcaster what what's your reaction to that well I'm not surprised uh, number one thing about Russell uh, taking ownership of it he's uh, as everybody knows he's a real stand-up guy 
and he's not going to deflect criticism if he thinks that uh, he was a part of the problem, not a part of the solution. So uh, I'm really going to respect him. I was around him uh, for a while here in Calgary, and here's a guy that plays his heart out. And unfortunately for last night, he just didn't have it. But uh, I think what that sends is a, it's a great leadership message that uh, not that you ever want to go through it, but if you do, it's okay to t- accept blame. And it, you look around the young players on that team, then they can go, boy, if that grizzled veteran that plays that hard can take that kind of uh, shot at himself, then you know what? On that night where I really stink, then maybe I can do that too. And, and it's kind of like a... It's kind of like a cathartic type thing when you do it. Again, you don't want to go through it, but when you take ownership of it, I mean, it's it's far easier to go to the rink the next day and instead of wondering um, who is the problem, what people think of you, if you take it upon yourself, you go to the rink next day, you show up, you work hard, and you hope that your next game you're right back to where you normally would be. Well, I think I think fans did appreciate that he just came out there, and and I think too, if you're a player in that situation, just do it after the game and get it over with. Because if you avoid the the interviews, and then do it the next day at practice, the questions won't go aren't going to go away, and then you're also going to be asked why you didn't talk the previous night, right? Because you might look like you were hiding whether you like it or not, and especially in this country with all the scrutiny from fans and media, and you probably went through this too, yeah. you just just get it out of the way, don't don't seem like you're hiding, and then, it's, and then the next day it's a clean slate even for practice. Well, even look at uh, what we're doing right now and talking about Russell. We're, it's all positive, right? Right. But like you said, had he ducked it, then we'd have leadership questions and we'd go well i don't know i i really like it if a guy says uh, what he thinks about his play after a game and and not have some time to decompress although there are times i felt um that maybe 10 minutes isn't quite enough time to to get some clarity because whether you're angry at yourself or somebody else sometimes that isn't enough time but nonetheless i think it's still your responsibility to make yourself uh, available after a game, and then speak honestly about what you think. Yeah, well, he did that, and uh, and despite his game gets picked apart a, a lot, I still think he's been a, a solidifying force uh, on the Oilers' back end. And I mean, Talbot's a big story, but they are in the top ten uh, in in goals against, and so I think that he's helped with that uh, as well. Yeah. Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports. Back from, uh, well, a couple of days ago, you would have got back from Los Angeles. How was the uh, the All-Star experience in your old hometown, man? Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, Luke Robitaille uh, does such a great charge. He's uh, president of their business uh, ops, and he, he told me many months ago that they're hoping that they're going to pull off the All-Star weekend. It's going to be the best ever. And, and I think, even though I'm a little bit biased, I think they did just that. Uh, you look at the experience for all the people there. You look at uh, naming the top 100. Uh, there's uh, There are people from all around the world that had traveled. There are people that I met on the plane either going there or leaving that uh, experienced Los Angeles. I think the city itself said they made over $20 million just in downtown from the weekend. So it's not for everybody. I mean, you're not going because it's a great hockey game, but the experience itself is so unique uh, from going to a regular National Hockey League regular season game that I highly recommend it for people that have never been. It's more of a fun atmosphere 
Um, there's lots of things to do after the games or after the events. Uh, I mean, you look at uh, what the Kings did with the the concerts. There's a Snoop Dogg and Blink-182 concert. The, the night of the naming the top 100, John Legend played. Uh, the lead singer from Five for Fighting had this emotional tribute to uh, Alan Thicke. Uh, just everything surrounding it was extremely exciting, and it was it was fun to be in the auditorium uh, while they named the top 100. Because I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but I was on that uh, committee. I was one of the 58 that had chosen the top 100. And what I found really difficult, Reed, is that you know I think for maybe the top 70 or 80, I, I think I kind of whizzed through to a certain degree. I had my eye on who would really fit in that uh, category. But that still took me, I bet, the better part of two days to try and do the research and come down with the, a number or a list that I was comfortable with. Then I put it down for a day or two, came back and tried to finish it off. And that become that became even more difficult. So I had to put it away for another day and came back. Overall, it had taken me, I'm not sure exactly, four to six days, seven days. And I finally came up with my list. And although I think I did quite well in consideration to what the uh, the top 100 were, there were guys there that all of us, you know, it's open to a great discussion. There are 157 guys that are in the Hockey Hall of Fame that weren't included. So right. you can imagine how <laughs> difficult it was the last little while getting to, to round out my top 100. All right, now be honest. Did you have Jenny Malkin on your list? Because to me that's a, a, an omission, especially for current players where I'm like, Wait a minute. He's pretty good. I didn't, in fact. You didn't? Uh, wow. I didn't, and I, I love him dearly as a player. I wish I could have ever played with a guy that talented. But, and so that's my point, how difficult it is. And, and I'm, But I also had Howard Chuck on my list. I thought that Howard Chuck was a guy that definitely should have been there. Um, in fact, he was quite high on my list. Uh, that's what I thought of Howard Chuck playing against him and, and the career that he had. So there are things in there that uh, I know a lot of people were curious about and some of the guys that uh, were on the list um, I was quite adamant that uh, that wouldn't have been a player that I would have chosen but that's the beautiful thing about this we're having a five minute conversation about this list and how difficult it is and um, some of the people that uh, were on that uh, committee as well I chatted with them about their difficulty in choosing players. Yeah, well, that wasn't an easy task for sure. Kelly, hang on the line. We'll get more with you after the 6.30 news. It's Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. Hey, this is Jordan Eberle from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 6.30, Chad. Kelly Reed joining us Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. He joins us once a week here on the show. All right, Kelly, uh... You know, I want to ask you a little bit about coaching, and I know you were, you know, you you feel blessed that you had Al Arbor as as one of your coaches in your career, and we yeah. we mentioned the Wild, how they're playing, and it's interesting today because a, a guy, an Edmontonian, who a lot of people would consider an excellent hockey coach, Ken Hitchcock, gets fired. Boos Brudro has has won wherever he's gone, not not the Stanley Cup, but he's always had yeah. really good teams. Wh- I mean, we know you have to have good players, you have to have a good goalie, all that kind of stuff. But from you having been a player and, and now an observer, what, what effect, what's the biggest effect you think a coach 
actually has. Because, I mean, any coach is good. If, if you're the Oilers coach, whether you're Todd McClellan or anybody, Connor McDavid's going to skate fast and have skill yeah. and all that kind of stuff, right? And, and you yeah. know, Devin Dubnik would probably be having a good year for, regardless of whether he plays for Boudreaux or not. So what when you look at it, what how does a coach really put his stamp on a hockey team? Well, for a guy like Boudreaux, he's very passionate. So you see that behind the bench, but not uh, crazy passionate where he's doing stupid things that you're going, well, this guy's out of control. I mean, you look back there, he's got that red face when he gets all excited about something, good or bad, and you know that he's as involved in the game as you. The one thing about Bruce, and I've known him since... uh, Geez, the early 80s when we played against each other in the minors. He was in Cincinnati and I was in Indianapolis in the Central Hockey League. And I knew back then that here's a guy that really loves the game of hockey, even though his career was sort of going in the wrong direction. Here's a guy that I greatly uh, respected. He was a real good uh, point-getting centerman. And he figured out that his career wasn't going uh, near the end where he wanted to go. Although, I don't know, Reed, did you see the interview with he, we had with him on Friday night? No, I didn't. Oh, it's magic. So uh, he was 38 years old when his career, playing career was coming to an end. And, and he kind of didn't know if he was going to get into coaching. And then he kind of got into it a little bit because he didn't really know what else he was going to do. And that's where the bug took over. And he's been a lifelong coach ever since. And the one thing about him is that what he tries to get out of everybody is passion. So you look at his lineup, he's getting guys to, to really buy in. And unfortunately for some guys, you've got to buy in when it's not a role in which he sees you anymore, right? Like uh, Zach Creasy on the third line at times. Uh, um, you look at Chris Stewart, he's on the fourth line. He has 11 goals. Granlin has moved up in the lineup. Uh, so is, uh, well, Nita Ryder was there at the top line for a while last year, too. He's also played with Hall and Pollenville. But here's a guy that asks you to play with as much passion as you possibly can, and you have to drag it out of yourself some night. And if you don't, he's very clear in his message to you that you didn't give him what you need. Um, so I think he's the, a real nice blend of uh, today's coaching. If I had one criticism of Bruce uh, at his time, especially in uh, Anaheim, is that I think he could have been a little bit more patient with his goaltenders. But that's just me because I'm a little bit biased. Right. <laughs> oh, imagine that. An ex-goaltender. Yeah, imagine that. Biased exactly. about. <laughs> what's, yeah. a, what's going through Cam Talbot's mind when he gets pulled yesterday, when, when he knows the team isn't having a great night in front of him? Well, first of all, um, I can't speak for him, but I can speak Well, you know, that. in general. Yeah, <laughs> I can speak for most of the guys that played that position. You are on high alert, and you're nervous as can be when you've had three days off because you never know how your eyes are going to adjust and how quickly they're going to adjust. And I know people out there might be thinking, but only three days, Kelly? And you would be shocked by how how quickly you start to lose that sharpness just on three days holiday. And... It is much better if you have two days practice before you play a game. I think the Oilers might have only had one day of practice, the Monday night, I'm assuming. Yep. Yep, and so it's very, very difficult. And that's why I made a point of bringing it up earlier in this conversation about all the high-scoring games last night, all the goalies that got pulled. My experience always told me that, uh, if anything, I was usually more – Lucky, I felt lucky if I got away with a good game when I had a, a break like that as opposed to 
I prepared properly because it's just such a, it's an amazing thing. And you question yourself, like, why does this puck look so fast today when three days ago I had no problem? Well, that is, uh, that's interesting. I think people would be surprised to hear how quickly you can feel like, like, and it's interesting too, because Talbot has not, like the whole back-to-back thing, he's been fine. Even in his yeah. career, I, I mean, the back-to-back games, he, he hasn't ever looked. To, I think Jack Michaels was saying he's 4-0-2 in back-to-backs in his career. Yeah. So some, that actually might help him as a goalie. There's no, there's no fatigue there. Right. Hey, you know, the one way I think I can put it in perspective for people, I was lucky enough to go up in a CF-18 a uh, number of years ago with the Canadian Air Force. So it's a magical experience that I'll never forget. But you think those pilots, with what they do and how they train, that they would never feel as though they're, they get, they're getting nauseous in any of those spins or any of the t- turns or the G-forces or anything. And the pilot that took me up, uh, Mike York, fantastic guy, I asked him if he ever felt like nauseous or anything sick to his stomach and he said yeah if he's not in the plane for about a week if he goes away and then gets in the plane again he said he's just like everybody else maybe not as sick as i was right on my flight, but he still felt it and so it, it kind of put it in perspective for me it doesn't matter what you do and how you have to test your boundaries or your your body's limits if you get away from something for a short amount of time it can have uh great effects on your performance well kelly Nothing harmed your performance tonight, even though it was a week in between appearances, buddy. Uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, we'll catch up again next week, man. Enjoy the game tonight. That should be a fun one. Yeah, thanks, pal. I'll talk to you next week. Kelly Rudy on the show, as he is every week, and he is working the game tonight between the Flames and the Wild. Other NHL action, the Capitals lead the Bruins 2-0. That is late in the first period. Oshie and Backstrom, the goal scorers. Also later on tonight, the Avalanche and the Kings. As we check your scoreboard for Crystal Glass, for all your glass needs, visit crystalglass.ca. That's it, just the three games in the NHL after they had 14 last night in the Western Hockey League. The Edmonton Oil Kings lead Swift Current 1-0 in the first period. Man, I hope they can win tonight. The Oil Kings have lost 11 consecutive games. It's been a tough run for them, obviously. Hopefully they start uh, doing a little better. Basketball tonight. Good matchup for the Raptors and the Celtics. The uh, Celtics a half game ahead of the Raptors for second in the Eastern Conference. And Toronto, 60 points already. In the first half, they're up 60-48 with 45 seconds to go in the second quarter. That's pretty incredible. You can text 630-630, the phone number 780-496-0063. Again, the Oilers news today, a a minor league deal, a couple of 22-year-olds traded for each other. Mitch Moraz goes to Arizona, so he'll join the Tucson Roadrunners. The Oilers get Henrik Samuelson, who will go to the Bakersfield Condors. Those two guys were teammates on the Edmonton Oil Kings when they won the Memorial Cup in 2014. More on that story by going to the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Marcel Young, defensive back, has re-signed with the Edmonton Eskimos. In about uh, five minutes or so, we're going to be joined by uh, a young man with a great opportunity in front of him, Chuba Hubbard from Bev Facey. He's been a star running back at the school, and now he goes uh, commits to playing in the NCAA with Oklahoma State. He's also going to do track. So uh, we'll get that story. So that'll be cool to catch up with him. Now, he's going to be coached in Oklahoma State by Mike Gundy. And you re- remember this from about 10 years ago. Come after me! 
I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm not a, I'm not a kid. Write something about me or our coaches. Don't write about a kid that does everything right, that's hearts broken, and then say that the coaches said he was scared. That ain't true. That was uh, part of his uh, about a three-minute rant when he was uh, unhappy at a newspaper reporter writing an, uh, an article that was critical of, uh, of one of his players. I'm a man. I'm 40. That's where Chuba Hubbard is going. I, look, that obviously a, more to Gundy than that, but that's what's going to be remembered. I thought you'd get a kick out of that. All right. We're going to take a quick timeout, and then we'll uh, welcome Chuba to the show. Blake Dermott, Kevin Carey is still ahead as well. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chen. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chen. Good to have you along for the ride tonight. It is 6.47. Our next Oilers broadcast is tomorrow. What we're going to do is we'll sign on with the face-off show at 4.30. The game against Nashville will start at 6. Uh, Ryan Smith, one of our scheduled guests on the face-off show, will be good to catch up with him. Now the captain of the uh, Stony Plain Eagles in the Chinook Hockey League. My name is Reed Wilkins. Great to have you along for the ride. And what an opportunity lies ahead for this young man from uh, Bev Facey High School, star running back with their football team uh, and uh, known for other things as well, which we're going to talk about. Pleased to welcome to Inside Sports for the first time, Chuba Hubbard. Chuba, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? Hey, how's it going? Doing very well. I talked to you briefly this afternoon, so uh, yeah. so thanks for making time for me. Uh, what what is the, what have the last couple of days uh, been like now that you're fully committed to Oklahoma State? Uh, the last couple of days have been pretty busy. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been an amazing last couple of days. Um, now that it's finally happened, uh, you know, it's a sur- it was a surreal moment, and you know, like I've told a bunch of people, I'm just glad that it's uh, finally here after all the years. Now, now tell people how this worked, because I'm going to guess most people who are listening never uh, got to play at a major NCAA school. Because, I, so how did it work? You you had sort of committed to Oklahoma State previously, but now it's sort of totally official. Is that how it played out, or what was this process um, like? Yeah, um, a, I was a, uh, verbally committed before, so like um, that's just yeah, uh, essentially verbally. So it's not in a written in stone or anything like that. And essentially, today that's what I did. Okay. What was what was the recruiting process like? When did they first contact you? And how many NCAA schools were were really after you here that you had to consider? Um, it was around January this time last year, probably. And yeah, uh, I got twenty four offers. So uh, I was about the team that I actually. Uh, had uh, interested me, but yeah, it was it was crazy. Um, it was probably the, one of the crazy experiences I've had in my entire life, and I loved every bit of it, though. And yeah. Now, did you do campus visits, or how extensive was uh, the the process of each school trying um, to convince you? Yeah, actually, I was able to go down to two schools, uh, Auburn and uh, Georgia, um, just because I was down there for track. The schools are pretty close together, so I got to check out those on an unofficial visit. But 
uh, they actually paid for me and my family to come down to Oklahoma State so for an official visit. So that was nice. Okay. So what put Oklahoma State over the top? Why did you wind up picking them? Um, uh, it was really just they weren't just a football factory. It was really uh, They cared about the academics and, you know, the family aspect of, of it all and, you know, cared about you as a player and as a as a person so uh yeah i definitely just i like the atmosphere that i got from them and you know uh like i said it's all about family there and yeah all right chuba hubbard joining us inside sports on 630 chet he's been a star at bev facey and uh he's uh, now committed to play at, at oklahoma state <laughs> so you're you're a running back i know you broke the, the i think you broke the league record when you were in grade 11 or in grade 10 uh, yeah, grade 11. Grade 11. And now, did you break your own record this year? I didn't even ask. Um, Just, I didn't rush for I, I didn't rush for as much yards as I did last year. Not quite yet. Okay. But you still did pretty well, obviously. Um, yeah. when, when did you first get into football? Was this something you started as, as a little guy, or when did you get playing? Um, when I was about, I think it was 9, 10 years old, uh, yeah, with the Pee Wee Sabercats team, actually. Okay. Were you always a running back? Um, actually, I started out at wide receiver, and uh, I, I wasn't really good at football. I kind of ran with the ball weird and stuff, so uh, they just kind of sent me on the wide receiver reverse and gave me the ball, and I'd just run. So. <laughs> what do you mean you ran with it weird? I <laughs> uh, kind of like, I ran with it upright, if if you could imagine that. Um, yeah, it was weird, kind of like a stuffy holding a teddy bear in your arm or something. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you were just protecting it, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. When did you start to think, uh, or was there maybe somebody that helped you along the way? But when did you start to think, oh man, I'm actually, I'm actually pretty good at this. I might, I might be able to take this somewhere. Um, well, I always thought uh, me and me and the people that I played with, my boys, um, for so many years, I always thought, you know, we were uh, obviously uh, top players in uh, Alberta for sure, and even maybe Canada. It, you know, once we got into high school and, you know, uh, we started talking about university, that's when I kind of realized uh, I might be able to make something out of this. And, yeah, I guess I did. So. No, Chuba, well, well, you're also, you also got a track scholarship to Oklahoma State, so you're going to be a dual-sport athlete. What do you yeah. specialize in in track? Um, the 100-meter and the 200-meter. I'm a sprinter. Do I, can I ask you your personal best in the 100? Yeah, uh, my best in the 100 is 10 five, five. Okay, so, so so you're pretty fast. Uh, are there any uh, are, are there any players, uh, you know, or, or guys that play for the Eskimos that you look up to or you really enjoy watching? Um, you know, I've always loved going to the Eskimo games. Uh, I always uh, go with my friends in the summertime and stuff like that. So yeah, it's always fun watching Eskimos. Uh, um, uh, I look up to a bunch of those guys. Like, you know, I was fortunate enough, fortunate enough to. You know, get a tweet from a Darius Bowman and Ryan King today, so that was obviously a, an awesome feeling. Well, I think you're going to like this then, Chuba, because joining us on the show right now is a guy who played for the hi. Oklahoma State Cowboys, Adarius Bowman. Adarius, you want to say hi? Oh, man, Chuba, man. How you doing, brother? I'm very hey. excited, man. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> oh, everything is great, man. This, 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 this is an exciting day, man. This is your day. You deserve it all, brother. I remember... Yeah, thank uh, you. Thank you. I remember seeing you. I remember seeing you run that ball last year. I was working with uh, Harry Angley, and I actually oh, okay. walked out of the press box. I walked out the press box. I said, "Brock, 
I cannot coach right now. I have to watch this kid, man. <laughs> and so uh, I'm excited to see this, brother. And, and, and you're going to one of the best universities in America, man. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Oh, yes, man. Yes. Uh, Darius, what 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 advice would you give uh, uh, would you give Chuba about about making the most of an NCAA career and maybe also not being overwhelmed by the yeah, all the yeah. expectations? Oh uh, yes, Chuba. Oh my goodness, I can definitely tell you, brother. So you know, it's two sides of all story. Listen to my side. I'm about to give you. All right, <laughs> uh, but uh, definitely, man. Uh, just enjoy this time right now because it is is a is a privilege. Remember that it's always a privilege. Nothing's been, been given to you. The work ethic that you had to get to this point, you're going to need that plus more to get through the next point you're coming up to. You know what I mean? Uh, college is going to be amazing, man. And college in America is even, even more crazy. So do me this favor. Grow as a young man. Have your fun. Hey, but understand the opportunity that's in front of you. And go home yeah. early, man. Go home early. Use the, use the tutors. I've been in Stillwater. I've been in that academic center, man. Hey, yeah. use those tutors that's there. They're there for yeah. you. They're there yeah. for you. So if there's one thing I can tell you, man, get your education. You can ball. I don't need to give you a whole bunch of information about balling. Just keep that grind when it comes to balling and get that education. Get that education, man. I will, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Darius, when when you saw Chuba uh, running, you sort of mentioned how you were, uh, you know, t- taken aback and in a in a good way by it. What was it? Was it his speed? Was it his power? What made him stand out? Uh, could I say both of those you just said? It was a nice combination, you know. And for me, uh, uh, I like to call myself an elite athlete sometimes. So when I <laughs> when I can see another athlete heading in that direction. Uh, uh, it's just amazing to be in there present and watch them play. Uh, what I enjoyed watching about him was, uh, as a running back, it's hard to see running backs with patience. Uh, the patience with the combination of power and speed, you can't teach that. That's a gift, you know. So uh, take that gift and, and continue to grind on it and make it better. Mm-hmm. I actually heard that he uh, he was actually – I was at the game that day that was trying to tell me you're a better track guy. I didn't ever get to see you on track, but – that's that's even more impressive to me. But uh, yeah, it has to be his combination of power and speed. Chuba, you know he mentioned uh, he mentioned your ability, you know, to be patient and stuff. I, I I cover hockey a lot, as you know, and people say hockey players have hockey sense. Do you think you have a good? you know, football sense? Because as a running back, you can't just always run straight and hard yeah, yeah. all the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely. Uh, I like to think that I have a little bit of a running back sense, and you know, every year I'm trying to, you know, build my game and uh, expand on everything. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a great answer. Great answer. Great answer. Continue expanding. Don't stop, brother. Don't stop. Mm-hmm. I love watching you, man. All right. Thank you. Thank you again. And Adarius, before before I let you guys go, uh, I know you had your news conference yesterday, and Dave and Morley talked yeah, to you, but yeah. uh, we had a hockey yesterday, so I didn't get you on Inside Sports. Congratulations on being extended uh, through 2018. Uh, um, you know, what do you look forward to here for 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 2017? You, you know, Darrell, you're going to have to find somebody to replace Darrell, but you got oh, yeah, Mike and a oh, bunch yeah. of guys back. That's tough to do. Uh, Darrell's a special guy, and I wish him nothing but the best. You know, uh, down there in uh, Temple Bay, but uh, man, honestly, I'm looking forward to spending a few more years here in Edmonton like I continue to say this is home man and it's a uh, such a great environment but what this environment do to you is it, it gives me myself the opportunity to grow as a as a young man and I'm becoming a man now I'm definitely a man now but it gave me my opportunity to get to this point and I'm just thankful to, to, to still be 
in this environment, in this com- community, you know. And uh, when it comes to the play on the field, I think that's why Edmonton has the tradition and the success that they have. Uh, uh, Ed Hervey and the whole organization do a good job of finding uh, great character guys, you know. I, I, I know why I wasn't here back in uh, 08, 09, 2010. I wasn't the best character guy then. But, uh, but uh, that's something that Edmonton, like, strive on and pride on, and then, and that's what I want to be a part of. And uh, like I said, if you're going to... If you're going to do it, do it somewhere that you love. And I love Edmonton, so this is the only place I could play my career. Well, Darius, well said. And Chuba, all the best to you. Who knows, hey, maybe maybe you, I'm interviewing yeah. you as an Eskimo someday, buddy. Oh, yeah, man. Hey, yeah, that'll be crazy. Hopefully I'm still playing when that happens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Guys, yeah. thanks so much for your time. Uh, hey, thank thanks. you, uh, Chuba, man. Uh, congrats again, brother. Uh, yeah. It's a pleasure thank to be able to see you, and, and, and I definitely see you a lot more. I'm I'm definitely coming down to steroids. It's been a while since I've been there. You just gave me that motivation to come on back, so I would definitely see you next year, brother. All right. Sounds good. Thank you again. All right. Yes, yes. Take care, guys. That is Chuba Hubbard, Bev Facey going to Oklahoma State, and former Oklahoma State receiver, now Edmonton Eskimo, Adarius Bowman. That was awesome. Joining us on Inside Sports tonight. Quick timeout. We're back after the news. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.